you know, I got to tell you, uh, and I think most of you are going to be right where I'm at. I've realized the last couple of years, really the last couple of months, and more importantly, the last couple of days, maybe this last week, that I have a meter broken. <laughs> You're thinking, what the what am I, what, what is this guy talking about? I'm telling you, I have a meter broken. And, and I'll tell you what it is. I, I think all of us have what I like to call a happy meter. I mean, a happy meter is, is something in my life that's it's kind of working when things are going good. I mean, the happy meter is always working when things are going good. I mean, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, when things in your life are going the way that you expect them to go, I mean, things are good. It's like my life is just, you know, all that in a bag of chips when things are going good. I mean, when, when we're good, if everything in and around our surroundings are actually going the way that we want them to go. When things are going well, I just think for me, it, mo- it opens me up to just to do more. I can, you know, when, I, when things in my life are going right and well, I can be more creative. I'm able to do more. I, I just honestly think I can experience life more when things in my life are going good. I mean, I think outside the box a little more when things are going good and I'm not distracted. I take chances when things are good that I normally wouldn't take. I mean, you just, you just feel like when things are going good. Now, think about this with me. You just think when things are going good, I just feel like, you know what? I can live out the dreams that I'm supposed to. When everything in my life is up and to the right. I mean, I'm a lot more adventurous when my 401k is fat. Everybody with me on that? I mean, when my 401k was fat before this last year or two, I mean, I I was way more adventurous. I'm more adventurous when I've got a job that is secure. And I mean, my job's secure, but you know what I'm saying? I'm speaking for us. I'm more adventurous and and, and chance-taking when all of the relationships in my life are exactly the place that they're supposed to be. They're clicking on all pistons. But here's what I've discovered. During the last few months and weeks, my happy meter hasn't been moving up and to the right like it used to because I've had to endure some difficulty. And and it's happened to me just like it happens to you in a variety of ways. Things have been difficult. And here's the thing. I'm 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 not crazy. They've been difficult for the people in the country, all of us. I mean, think about it. If you know anything about what's going on in our country, you know that this country has been going through some pretty tough stuff. I mean, like, like I alluded to in just a moment ago, we, we're dealing with all kinds of sickness, and it doesn't matter that the midterms are over. We still have all kinds of political division. We've got areas in the country that have fires and and earthquakes and too much rain and not enough rain and too much snow and not enough snow. In addition to all of that, I mean, just think about the economy and throw in all the economic mess that we're having to deal with. I mean, you know, we've got supply chain problems and now we've got inflation. And you think about all those things, and you go into the holidays like Thanksgiving, we're about to go into Christmas, and you can just see why our happy meters haven't been pegging to the right like they normally would. See, see, when difficulty ar- arises in my life, 
it just kind of makes me think about life. Because when I think about my life, you know, you know, I have a desire in my life, even at my age, I have a desire to live out my dreams. But I'm going to tell you this morning, when, when things kind of start stacking against me, so much discouragement, so much difficulty, that's when I want to give up. I mean, again, these are times when we're distracted. These are times when we're discouraged. And in those times of distraction and discouragement, those are the times where, you know, we just say, I just feel like throwing my hands up and say, you know what, I quit. But here's the thing. It's those type of feelings. When I have those type of feelings, I, I just have realized that, you know what, I always need a place to turn. And the place that I really need to turn is usually the last thing I think about. It's the Scripture, the Bible. It's the best place to turn. But honestly, if you're like me, even in doing what I do, it's usually the last place that I go. So this morning, I want us to look at somebody in Scripture, and if you've been around the church at all, especially if you've been around Crossroads, we're going to look at a guy in Scripture by the name of Paul. He's actually the same Paul that we looked at last weekend. And you know, here's the thing. I can't think of anyone in Scripture who consistently found themselves having to endure more difficult, suck-the-life-out-of-you situations than this guy named Paul. And he's a guy that's found in the Scripture. And if there's anybody who should have given up on his dreams, if there's anybody who could have given up on his dreams, then I'm just going to tell you this morning, it has to be this guy. It has to be Paul. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at Scripture in just a moment, and we're going to find him in just another difficult situation. And, and again, I, I think it's one of those situations where when I look at my life and how I respond to life, this is one of those situations where most people would just give up because they would never believe that they could live out their dreams if these are the things that were happening to them in their life. So here's what I need you to do this morning. I just need you to kind of use your imagination, uh, put the leftovers out of, out of mind. You'll have those later on. You'll have turkey and dry. Are, are you done with that yet? Are, I'm, I mean, I'm still okay with it. I mean, you know, I, I, I do during the holidays and all the regimented things that we eat, that's where I kind of lean towards a crystal. Can I get an amen in the house? A good old crystal burger because that'll take care of things that nothing else will take care of. <laughs> but anyway, I want you to imagine with me this morning, Paul is sitting in the dark. And Paul is attempting to do something that Paul does, but he's attempting to do this with very little light. And he may have had, you know, a candle. He may have had an oil lamp. We really don't know. But I think it's safe to say that in the situation we're going to look at in just a moment, Paul, Paul was probably chained to a guard, or he was chained in some way that kept him from moving. Chained in a cell that would have kept him from escaping. And Paul is doing what Paul does best, writing a letter. One of many of the letters that Paul has written. 
But this one is kind of unique. Because the, the, the letter that Paul is writing is a letter to a church. A church full of his friends. As a matter of fact, he often referred to the people in this church as his partners. Partners in ministry. And what's interesting about the Philippian church, the church at Philippi, is this is the only church that had supported Paul over the entirety of his ministry. And again, uh, as Paul is writing, time has gone by. A lot of time has gone by since Paul actually founded this church. But even with that, even though time has gone by, Paul just lets us know that this church, the Philippian church, the church at Philippi, it's, it's never left his heart. It's never left his mind. And, and what's interesting is in what we're looking at, the church at Philippi has sent Paul a gift. And it's kind of unique because Paul is thankful, which again, Thankfulness is just a characteristic. It's who we are. It's at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. We're thankful for the things that God has done in our life. We're thankful for grace. We're thankful for mercy. We're thankful for salvation. We're thankful for food and family and fellowship and provision. But Paul has received a gift from the church at Philippi, and he's thankful from that, from that, for those people who, who, who make up that church, his longtime partners and friends. And the affection that Paul feels for that church could probably be seen in his faith. Look, look at the things that he writes. Look at, look at the things, and I, w- I want you to see several things here. Because these are the things that he's saying to the church as he writes the letter. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I have you in my heart. I long for you to be with you with affection. He says, may your love abound more and more. Through your prayers, everything will be accomplished. As Paul writes the letter, he's trying to convey a message to them. That even in light of the circumstances, even in light of the difficulty, things are going to be okay. It's like Paul was saying to the church in the letter, no matter what happens to me, it's not about me. It's about God. Because the dreams that God had for me, this is what Paul is saying. He's telling the church at Philippi, the dreams that God has for me, even though I'm in a dungeon writing you, the dreams that God has for my life, they're still alive. But then I want you to look at what he says. Look at, look at the, 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 the next verse up on the screen, Philippians 1.21. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can I just paraphrase that? Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. That's what, that's what he's saying there in Philippians 1.21. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. And see, it's hard for me to believe that the man writing this letter, Paul, 
is the same guy who had murdered, if not hundreds of Christians, he had murdered thousands of Christians. I mean, just think about it. This is the guy who's writing the letter. And I don't know if I was the guy in Paul's shoes, and if I had murdered all of those people before coming to know Jesus, I don't know if I could ever get over the fear and the guilt of the things that I have done. Because for me, again, if I was Paul, it would be hard for me to work alongside of other Christians knowing that I had murdered possibly their family or their friends. Because the question would have consistently been on my mind, what if they try to retaliate? What if they turn on me? What if they try to get back at me for what I did before I became a follower of Jesus. And see, here's the thing. If I had done the things that Paul had done, I don't think I would have had the guts to start churches because I would have felt inadequate, completely inadequate because of what I had done in my past. And I would question myself and say, well, how could God use me based on that? How, how could God use me if I went forward and worked for his kingdom based on everything that I had done? But see, there's one thing that Paul had. Paul had courage. Paul had the courage to follow God's dream for his life. Paul didn't let his past, Paul didn't let his difficulties, the things that he was going through, he didn't let those circumstances and situations keep him from pursuing his dream. As a matter of fact, the Philippian church was founded, now think about this, because of a dream. See, in the middle of, a, in the, of the night, in a dream, a man stood in front of Paul. And this is, this is what he says. Look, look at Acts 16, verse 9. Here's what it says. It says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. I had a dream last night myself. I mean, I did. And it's always kind of funny to me. I wake up and vividly remember the dream. I go back to sleep, and I get up in the morning, and I know I had a dream, but I can't remember. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It happens all the time. But Paul has a dream that he remembers that a man from Macedonia is standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul remembers the dream, and not only does he remember the dream, listen to me, he responds to the dream. And when he did, he founded the Philippian church, the very church he's writing to in this letter. Now think, think, think with me, track, track, track. What if Paul had said no? What if Paul had said no to the man from Macedonia? What if Paul didn't pursue his dream? 
What if he said he just, you know what, I just don't want to? I, what if he had felt guilty and inadequate about all the things that he had done? Or, or what if he had just been selfish? Well, what would happen if he said, you know what, I'm just going to stay home and watch the Titans? I'm just going to chill. Again, what would have happened if he felt guilty and inadequate? And see, that's the perspective that I think kills the dreams and squelches the work that God wants to do in our lives. When we think we're guilty, when we think we're inadequate, it squelches the Holy Spirit's work and what He wants to do through us. Because see, here's the thing. There's nothing worse that we can do than to not accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, there's nothing worse that you can do than to not accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your life. Knowing it in your head and accepting it in your heart are two different things. Not accepting the forgiveness that is offered to us, it kills dreams and squelches the very things that God wants to do in our lives. But see, Paul realized, and he accepted that forgiveness, the forgiveness that was available to him. And because he did that, it allowed him to live out his dreams. Look, look, look at the next verse, Mark 2, verse 5. Here's what it says. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Le Alex, leave that up there just a moment. Son, your sins are forgiven. See, I think many times we fail to realize what Jesus went through on the cross. I think many times we fail to understand what Jesus went through on the cross. And when he went through that on the cross, we fail, when we fail to see that, when we fail to accept his forgiveness and we feel guilty and, and, and inadequate about the things that we've done, it's then almost like his death was for nothing. It's like his death was in vain. It's so important because the dreams that God has for this world those dreams are born in people like Paul who know the forgiveness that's available to them. The dreams that God has for this world in 2022 and 2023, those dreams are born in the lives of people who know and understand the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that is available to them right now. His dreams are born in people who know his love. And they just can't keep quiet about that love. These are the people who have God's presence bursting from the seams of their lives. See, God's dreams are born in people who know they're inadequate. They know they're like Paul. They look at the things that they've done in their past, and they know, they admit that they've blown it. But they also know what Paul states. Look at Philippians 4, 13. Here's what he says. 
I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Look at that statement. Look look at what Paul says. I can do anything through Him who gives me strength. See, when we allow that statement into our lives, when we allow that statement to sink deep within us, when we allow that to become a part of who we are, that's where we get the courage to follow the dream that God has for our lives. Where does it come from? It comes from Christ, Jesus Christ, who strengthens us. We don't have time to feel guilty. We don't have time to feel inadequate. There's no time to feel like we can't do what God is calling us to do because of the things we've done in our past, the mistakes that we made in our past. We can't allow ourselves to feel inadequate and miss out on the dreams that God has for us. Because we are people who have been forgiven. And God has a dream for you. And this morning, God is begging you to follow that dream. See, what's interesting about Paul is is after Paul killed all of those Christians... And then he became a Christian. People thought he was faking it. People thought Paul was putting up a front. So you know what they wouldn't do? They wouldn't get close to him. So when Paul went to Macedonia to start the Philippian church, Paul was immediately, well, I don't know immediately, he was thrown into prison and he was flogged. That's why I'm telling you, it took courage for Paul to follow God's dream. Because if Paul didn't have courage, it would have been easy for him to find himself just over here, you know, wallowing in guilt and inadequacy. So if Christ strengthens you, it is the courage in Christ that strengthens you. which means you're not afraid, no matter what the situation may be, how difficult that situation may be. See, it's courage in Christ that gets you over the hurdles. It's courage in Christ that allows you to jump through the hoops that ultimately would destroy God's dream for you. But it's the strength of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the strength of Christ That's the thing. It's not you. It's the strength of Christ that allows you to push through. Courage in Christ who strengthens you. Listen, listen, it's not denial. Paul knew that he was going to be persecuted by people because he knew people would not understand his experience with Jesus. Courage is not denial. Let me tell you, courage is not foolishness. As a matter of fact, I want you to look at, I want to show you how one writer defines courage. Look look at the screen behind me. Here's the the way they said it. I can't even remember. I made this note years ago. Here it is. 
Courage is a perfect knowledge of the measure of danger and the mental willingness to endure it. Paul said it this way. Look, look at the verse, one, Philippians 1, verse 20. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will have sufficient courage. That's what Paul said. I eagerly expect and hope that I will have sufficient courage. And he did. And if there's anything I want you to hear this morning, it's going to be this. I know you're going through difficulty. I know you're going through trying times. But don't allow the difficulty to snuff out the dreams that God has for your life. Because if you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, then you have the courage to dream. You may not think you have a dream, but you have the courage to dream. If you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength, then you have the courage to dream. Which brings me to a question. Do you know what the dream is that God has for you? I mean, most people don't think about that. Do you know what the dream is that God has for you? Well, let me put it this way. If you don't have an answer to that question, then think about it this way. Where does your deepest joy meet or intersect with the world's greatest need? Where does your deepest joy intersect with the world's greatest need? That's a great place to start. If you want to find out what God's dream is for your life. That's where you start. Then here's the next thing you do. You start praying about it. Just start praying about the dream that God has for your life. Let me, let me, let me ask you this. Do you have a cur the courage to be a difference maker in this world? Do, do, do you have a cur the courage to be a difference maker in this church? Because, again, many of you in this service last week picked up one of these cards. Did you turn it in? Did you take it home? Is it under the car seat with the, t with the tater tots? You know what's funny about a tater tot under a car seat? It looks the same next year as it did this year. <laughs> Do you have the courage to be a difference maker in the world? Do you have a cur the courage to be a difference maker in this church? To follow that dream. Maybe you're watching us online, and, and thank you for joining us online, because I know lots of people are today, because lots of people are not here. And maybe you see yourself either in the auditorium or watching online, listening online, and you say, you know what, maybe I'm, I'm Randy, Randy, I'm just a fringe attender. I just am a fringe attendee. I'm not, I'm not committed enough. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Fringe attendee or not, God still has a dream for you. He still has a dream for you and for your life. 
Maybe you're here this morning because your spouse forced you to come. Or maybe you came only because it's good for the kids. Or maybe, you know, some of those people, a lot of people think, and I don't, I, listen, I'm just glad you're here. But a lot of people think, you know, November, December, March or April, those are the times we go to church. Maybe you really don't buy into this whole Jesus thing and how he can really impact and have a living impact on your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and you know what you would say, you just look at your life and you're here and you're, you've been beaten down and to even think about God's dream for your life, it just brings tears to your eyes. Because see, here's the thing, I know this. When somebody's life has been shattered, asking them to dream is like asking them to set themselves up for failure. Because they look at their life and they say, you know what, I just want to survive. It's easier for me to survive than it is to dream. I want you to understand where I've been. I've been there. I was raised in the church. Morning, noon, and night. But I went through a season where I didn't even want to go to church. Because I was so disgusted with the things that I had seen when I was younger that I got really disappointed with the church and the people in the church. And see, here's the thing. I, I know this by experience. I think it's when the church disappoints you. It's then that it's really hard to distinguish between the frailties of this human institution and the God who is bigger and still paints his dreams through our human frailties. It's hard to separate the two. Several years ago, I was cruising online, and that sounded really weird, didn't it? I, I didn't mean that way. I was looking through some different news sites, and I, and I came across a news article on the Internet and they talked about this thing called an inflatable chapel. Supposedly, this, this inflatable chapel is supposed to really be something that is going to redefine sacred space. It's made of metal. It's made of plastic. And honestly, the picture that I remember seeing, it looked like a piece of art. But one of the unique things about this chapel is that when they're done with it, it it just collapses. And it made me think, I think that's our dream sometimes. Sometimes the dreams that we have are just like that. They're just that fragile. When the church disappoints us, our feelings about God's love for us, his hand at work in our lives, 
those things can collapse also. They collapse too. Or when the suffering hits in our own life personally, and it, it becomes very personal. You know what I'm talking about? Those, those pinpricks of persecution. When those things come, our, our dreams deflate because we think that somehow, some way, God doesn't care about us. I mean, we look at what we're going through and we think, you know, God just doesn't care about us anymore. Let me, let me just say this. If that's the case, then Paul is the most unloved and uncared for person that God ever created. Look, look at his story found in 2 Corinthians. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open seas. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own people. Come on, somebody. I mean, right there. In danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, and in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. What if Paul had given up? What if Paul had stopped believing in the dream? What's that rock song? Don't stop believing. I mean, you know. What if he had stopped? What if he had stopped believing in the dream that God had for him and the dream that God had for Paul was to spread the gospel? Can I just tell you what have happened? What would have happened if Paul would have stopped believing in the dream? You could start with the book of Acts and you could systematically begin to rip out most of the rest of the New Testament. Because what wasn't written by Paul was written about Paul. I eagerly expect and hope. Look at what Paul writes to the Philippians. I eagerly expect and hope and I, that I will have sufficient courage. Leave that up there, Alex. I eagerly expect and hope that I will have sufficient courage. And he did. See, this morning you may find yourself in the middle of a difficult situation. You may find yourself in the middle of a heartache or some hardship. But I want you to hear from my mouth to your ears. Regardless of your situation, God has a dream for you. I know it's hard to understand, but God has a dream for you. It's the suffering 
It's the suffering that qualifies you to actualize God's dream in your life. The suffering doesn't disqualify you. See, it's kind of unfortunate. But it's the suffering that produces character. Did you hear what I said? It's suffering that produces character. And just so you know this morning, listen, 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 listen. You know what Jesus' specialty is? Encouraging the faint at heart. Supporting those who are weak. Being there with you in the middle of your crisis. Even when the chips are down, listen, listen, even when the chips are down, even when I'm not committed to God, God is committed to me. And He can give me the courage to dream His dream for my life and for this world. Maybe, you know what, maybe none of these situations describe you. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, listening online, and you say, you know what, you, I, I, I love Jesus. Maybe you, you, you're joining us and you love Jesus. Maybe you aren't suffering and things in your life are just, you know, they're up and to the right. Your happy meter is just perfect. Maybe you're really busy. And in the busyness, you haven't taken the time to think about the dream that God has for you and for your life. You know, it's funny how, listen, listen, listen. It's funny how life can be. It has a way of getting out from under you. Even when you're living it. You know, I I prayed a prayer when I was a kid like many of you. Remember that prayer we prayed, if I die before I wake? And it made me think, you know what? I don't want to live in a trance. I don't want to live in a trance in superficial ways and miss the very reason why I was created. Only because I didn't take the time to dream. Only because I didn't take the time to discern God's will for me and for my life. So what about you? What's God's dream for you? How can you be a difference maker? How can your greatest joy meet the world's greatest need? How does the forgiveness of Jesus Christ set you free from the guilt and inadequacy that you feel as you contemplate what God's dream is for you and for your life? Paul writes to the church at Philippi, the church that he founded because of a dream, and that's what he says. 
I eagerly expect and hope that I will have sufficient courage. We're about to wind up 2022, people. And that's what I want you to be. People of courage. Difference makers. People who know the dream that God has for them and for their lives. Let me tell you, this church will never be what God has called it to be. We've, I think we've kind of, I think COVID kind of had a purging of us, and it was a good thing. It was painful for me to watch. But I think God is setting us up to live out the dream that He has for us individually and corporately. But you got to get out of them seats. You got to get out of those seats and you have to do something in this church. You have to use your time and your talent and your treasure. That means you got to get that billfold out too. And you got to help us pursue the things that God has called us to do. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to warn you, the first service didn't get this. I'm just getting loose. We might, we, somebody call uh, Crackle Brown and bring the food in because we're going to be here for a while. Okay? So, anyway. We're about to put on you the first of the year a schedule of things that we're going to be doing in this community like you, hate, like you haven't seen in a few years. Because we are called as a church to be a difference maker. We're called to change the spiritual climate in this community. And I'll be the first to tell you, I've gotten lazy and you've gotten lazy. But laziness stops today. Let's be people of courage as we step into this new year in January. Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me, please? God, we thank you that we're able to look at the life of Paul week in and week out and just glean such amazing insight into his life and how it applies to us in 2022. I mean, people say the Bible is not relevant to their life. I don't know anything that could be more relevant to their life. We're just grateful that we get to see it, that we get to discern it, that we get to divide it together and experience the truth that you have for us, God. Today it was courage, looking at the courage that Paul had to live out the dream that he had, that you had for his life, the dream to spread the gospel. If he hadn't done it, we wouldn't have the New Testament, or most of it. It would be so different. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul knew that. God, let us lean into that. Let us understand that. As we become the church that you've called us to be, the gift of the church that you've given us. God, we love you and we thank you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you please stand?
Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave. 